I'm pulling up the discussion points from. All right, fellas. You could say it's the calm after the storm. Between Two Sheets, Season 2, Episode 11. Sitting Nolan, here in the wreckage. The wreckage, the remnants. The, <laughs> the remnants of curling the remains for the cure. Curling for the cure. Yeah, they had a good time. And I, I didn't catch. Did you guys know how much money they raised? Uh, we have not counted the counted singles it. yet. Yeah, yeah. we got a whole... They still, they're still drying out from the juices that were on them. <laughs> you should have seen the tip jar, though. The meat raffle went well. Oh, yeah? Did yeah. you take home anything in the meat raffle, or were you exempt from entry as a a, a male servant? No, there was no meat raffle. Oh. I meant the tip jar. Again. Well, they had a raffle. They did you? have a raffle. Yeah. yeah. Was it 50-50? Yeah. Anya won? Silent Auction. Anya Douglas won. Oh, and okay. I think they drew right after she went home, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, I was peeking through the silent auction sheets that were left on the bar up there, just looking at how much things went for and how much action there was on it, and I was impressed. Every one of them had at least, like, four or five, you mm-hmm. know, bids on it, and it looks like things went for good prices. I didn't happen to notice who won the between two sheets uh, donation. That was a raffle one. That was, that was, yeah, that was so I don't know how they did that raffle. Type thing. They just drop tickets. They drop tickets. Each oh, way through, okay. But I didn't okay. see who got it. Yeah. Um, no, it was a good month spill though. It was a good turnout. Team out of Williston took home the championship. Uh, they actually curled one of the newbie teams, which was really fun to see them have a good week. Well, and as I well. didn't realize that's the same Monday Night Girls team yeah. that we've mentioned on the pod a number mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. So they have they've come a long they're way. Right. I don't they think they're listeners. They got all the way to the championship. Yes. It, was, it, it was impressive. Beat out a um, couple of very experienced teams. Yes. So. Well, I, I think they left the score up on there too. If it was the right match, yeah, they went, looked, they went to extra ends. Yeah, they went to extra ends, but they stole three to tie. Right? No, it's the other way. Five the other way. Six? Oh, the, the Williston other. team stole, stole three, three to tie. tie. Oh, okay. So they had yeah. an early, early lead. Yeah, okay. they yeah. jumped out to a, to a Exciting game, though, having that to tie it It was. Up. It was. And and I think I can confidently say that all the patrons had a great time. Yes. Yeah. They, they go hard. <laughs> I only saw one video, and it was a conga line. Yeah. So I think that that's a good summation. Yeah. But, they, yeah. Uh, they had fun. They ran us bartenders. Regular. We're pretty exhausted. I have never been this tired in my life. <laughs> there is. There's some bleary eyes here. Yeah. So. Uh, Do we have than, any other updates? Other than that, no. Winterfest is a couple weeks away. It yeah. sounds like registration is full. Re- registration is full, but it might be worth reaching out just to make sure that it went through. They did have some foreign form problems, but it's full unless we can get a whole uh, grouping of four more teams. Oh, if there's okay. enough interest, they'll add more. Otherwise, it's full. So please contact. And uh, I know there is a wait list, too, if so, somebody yeah, drops out. So a, contact yeah, it on the wait on list, wait and maybe list. we can just add another four teams. Yeah, expand, yeah. expand it a little bit. That would be fun to see. That would yeah. be great. Because that's a fun, fun bond spill to play in. Yeah, and they help us out, and we help them out. It's a yeah. good cause all around. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, another new update. We got a new receiver, so our sound system's uh, yes. now Bluetooth. Finally blew it out yesterday. Yeah. And well, it's had it's had a good life. I see also that the trash was empty when they were setting up, and now it's heaping full. So I got to tell Brad to uh, uh, call and get the dumpster changed. <laughs> yeah, got the so, trash, Brad. Yeah. But other than that, uh, I don't know. Military League going good? Military League's going great. Um, well, this kind of leads us into who we're going to interview today. I've been reaching out to more clubs um, to see if we can find some other military curlers in the United States. And no real luck there yet. But what I am finding is that there are military curlers. There just is a lack of established leagues. So hopefully, you know, a year or two down the road, we can get some traction with mm-hmm. that and have my military championship vision. But the curlers themselves, um, we had potluck last week for uh, a Tuesday. So we said a week three, six, and nine are potluck luck weeks um we had great turnout for that potluck i know you guys were were here for part of it and you Mm -hmm. saw it but i was super impressed and when i was heading out there a little early because i've got people trained now for closing um that i can trust so i didn't have to stick around till like nine when they wrapped up um and and i i I stopped them all and i was like hey you know just wanted to say thanks for for all your participation and you know enjoying the social parts of the sport too because that's what makes you know curling great is the the social aspect um you know most of them are on a team with people they see every day too so they mm-hmm. get a lot of that as well but you know meeting people you wouldn't normally talk to i met people at it too and struck up a bunch of conversations mm-hmm. um yeah i had a great time with the potluck so yeah they're going doing well so yeah good good and, I got. and youth caroline it's been good it's been good it's been good we're we're i think we've got through all the fundamentals so far now it's just kind of refining the skills and uh, one of the parts that we weren't quite sure on it's just kids age weight and strength so um we're we're figuring out who needs to be on the reduced sheet. We have we have our we have our hack halfway down the ice for the younger kids, and then we have some older kids who are strong enough. But uh, yeah, takeout weight's a bit of a chore. We're finding out that's um, when, yeah. when you don't yeah. weigh very much, it's a lot of work to get the rock to the other end. So 
no and i was watching them up here too and and they really have come a long way in a short mm-hmm. time you know they they look good coming out of the hack and and they're hitting lines you yep, know they're um, hitting their lines, handles right like you know they're they're understanding what i'm what i'm calling out for for signals they're getting the handles right they understand the scoring it's really at this point it's a it's a bit of a game of strength so on the youth curling note too um our carter medved interview you know he participated in a bond spiel at his club ardsley over there in scarsdale new york and what they did is they had three experienced curlers and every three curlers took one junior curler and then they did a bond spiel so i don't think we'd want to do a bond spiel but i would love to try and do something like that with the kids like an end of year thing get some some club members in and then throw them on a team with other curlers either one or two of them mm-hmm. um, i think that might be great so something to mull over for you, you kind of like there. the fun spiel concept so. yeah like a yeah. fun spiel we could play like two short games you know give them yeah. prizes just for coming out and then you know get you know we want to vet our curlers that sign up to help you know not a bunch of yahoos but even if they are you know you can have one of those on a team that's part mm-hmm. of curling too so yeah some things to look forward to yeah all right all right uh well we, like i said we got a good guest coming on today um so we're going to interview dan lindgren with the grand forks curling club yeah yeah should we give him a call yeah are let's, we ready let's dial him up okay here we go it'd be awkward if we just got voicemail in the middle of this it'd be our entire podcast just gone the magic of editing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, fellas. Dan, how we doing? Doing well, thanks. How about you? Yeah, doing good. Good. Good, uh, good. We were giggling through our interview, you know, or our intro. We um, we had the women's spiel this weekend. They do a, a one for uh, cancer charities, and so we were, we were giggling about the recap. So I just got through that, and yeah, ready to go now. All right, good deal. Yeah. So, yeah. so how, how's things going out in Grand Forks? Uh, you said you had some, some curling going on on the ice today, and now you're just settling <laughs> in, catching the end of the football game, and... Yeah, so some days we kind of, um, uh, to try to get new curlers engaged, uh, as you know, uh, we start curling early in the year, probably about the 1st of November, and we're not done till about April. So I always make the joke is that for somebody new, it kind of feels like getting married, right? It's quite a commitment. So we try to we try to break these things up a little bit by having mini leagues. Uh, so our mini leagues are on Sunday afternoons, typically about five o'clock, this one is. And uh, they'll go for uh, five, six, seven weeks, kind of depending on how the, the schedule works out with, uh, you know, with Christmas. And this year we're going to shut one off at the, at the Super Bowl. So we have one prior. And then we always seem like we had people that kind of got interested after Christmas and they missed that first little window in January. So it was hard to get them uh, you know, into something at that point. So we're going to do another one starting kind of uh, toward the end of February and doing that. And then for the last number of years, uh, UND has had an intramural league so we have a, a draw at five o'clock with this mini league and then we have a UMD intramural league after that on sundays so sundays kind of become a bit of a busy day here. how big is that uh, intramural league so it, it varies right and i there's only been a handful of the kids that are the same kids twice you know um so i think the biggest year they had we, we've got four sheets and they shot it off at eight teams and so that was full. This year, they only have five, but, you know, it works, and we're happy to do it still. And lots of uh, 20 enthusiastic young people, so that's a pretty good deal. Are you? Are the people participating in that, or are most of them from around the Midwest here, the, the Dakotas, Minnesota area, or are you getting people that uh, transfers from down south or further away, um, you know, that are interested in it? Do you do you have a, a main demographic that you find uh, is more, more interested? Good mix. I find it's all, all of the above, right? Yep. I mean, there's yep. some kids from the south that have always heard about curling and want to give it a try and then there's uh, some local kids here that maybe did our junior thing and then they're in college now and so they'll grab a few buddies and do that so it's it's all over the board sweet um, well, I guess uh, uh, start out here, interview Dan. Um, you know, I, I don't know too much about you personally yet. Here, I would I would love to hear you know how you came to curling as a sport and how you came into uh, leadership at the Grand Forks Club and, and kind of what the story is there. If you wouldn't mind backing things up and. Well, yeah, sure. I'd be happy to do that. Um, so I am uh, what I refer to myself as a filthy immigrant to the U.S. I uh, grew up in Canada oh. and I. Uh, and uh, yeah, there you go. And I moved to uh, to uh, the U.S. in uh, 1997. And I so I actually moved to Minot uh, at the time when I came down and uh, new job and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't curl a ton when I got to the U.S. 
Um, and I traveled a fair bit. And so I never got heavily involved in Minot uh, Curling Club. And then I end up moving away from there a little bit later. But I, I curled my whole life. Um, uh, I started curling uh, when I was probably 10 years old and then curled through high school and college and then did a little bit of competitive stuff up in Canada with some guys that I that I grew up with. And, uh, you know, that was that was a good time. And then, as I say, once I got to the U.S., I had um, a little bit of a break there curled bond fields and stuff in Minot and and then I moved to Billings and there was no curling there and then when I moved back to Grand Forks here in North Dakota then my kids were the right age to kind of get going on it and so we started curling they did and I did and then I you know end up getting involved in the junior program with them and then we curled the, my girls and my and my son all curled competitively through juniors and uh, they did made it to nationals uh, quite a bit, and so it's something that you kind of just you're here a lot, and you're talking to people, and, and you just kind of get roped into this, and then you then you start to imagine that you enjoy it, and uh, and then <laughs> years years later you can't believe you're this neck deep in something like this. I always thought it was interesting how Montana just never seemed to adopt any of the ice sports. I mean, you just draw a line well, at the border and they yeah, skiing yeah. though. They got they, all those they have skiing. skiing. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. that's the reason. Yeah, they made, I mean, they've really dug well now with all these um these uh, arena clubs right so all those so billings didn't have anything there and that was 20 years ago when i left billings but i, I believe they have an arena club now and uh, and then in the dakota territory they've actually expanded the north dakota one you guys probably know this as well as i yeah. do but uh to include montana and there's there's clubs all over the state now i think i saw haver's got one going now too and and all those places to your point that are pretty northern but never really got going on this seem like they are now so well and i know uh, on the montana note here uh, a fun one we sent a team out to uh, was it billings or was it butte i think it was, butte, think it was butte. butte so yeah. butte has an arena club as well and they contacted us looking just for teams who are interested to come support their new club and go to their bonds bill so we we sent a team out there um and they had a pretty nice time you know it's arena ice so you know they they didn't have a big clubhouse and stuff but uh, had a nice time curling and uh we're actually returning the favor and they are getting a bus together and i don't know their bus route but they're going to hit up four arena clubs in montana and then come to minot here and we're going to do, do like a, a two-day or a one-day you know little bond spiel with them um, billings, likely and yeah yeah i don't know if sydney has one or not but yeah so, i don't think i haven't heard of sydney have one i know bozeman does and i don't think sydney does. Does. yeah billing billings does because yeah. uh, one of my teammates his parents were in the arena club there but is it Helena? I want to say maybe Helena. Helena it might have been Haver or something, too. Yeah, I, I, there was a few towns that were involved there. Yeah, um, no, it's good to see that happening, though. You know, that's kind of been a sure. feature on our podcast is uh, we've talked to a number of different locations uh, that have arena clubs that are either transferred to dedicated ice or, or trying to, you know, in some way. Um, and I, I think it's great for the sport, you know, starting it up. It's hard to start up a dedicated facility, so you got to have that transition. But yeah. Right, for sure. No yeah. help. Now, Dan, I'd like to ask, because I'm, I'm also a, a filthy immigrant, as you, you put it. Uh, I moved down to Minot in 2012 to go to college and then picked up curling okay. shortly after. So uh, where where did you where did you start curling? Where's home in Canada? And uh, um, well, what was your I, home club? I, I'd never hear the end of it if I if I didn't say this in the proper way. But I grew up in a, just a little town called Dupereau, Saskatchewan. Okay. And it's a two-sheet club, and it, uh, not much uh, not much there in Dupereau, even at the time, and there's even less now. Uh, but I went to high school in Bigger, Saskatchewan. Okay, and then, right on. And then, yeah, so that's uh, there's been a lot of curlers come out of Bigger. Sandra Schmurler and, uh, and uh, uh, Anita Barber was our neighbor growing up. They, they won provincials when we were kids, which was a huge deal. Um, and it was three girls from kind of right in our area uh, that, that won that, and then and uh, Anita, she's her name is Anita Silverneagle now. So she's the mom of Robin Silverneagle, who's done pretty well curling in women's curling in Canada. And Anita kind of she curled her whole life, obviously, but she didn't. I don't think she did it that competitively. And then now as a senior, she's got in it, and they've won like back to back worlds. I think like five times now. So I see they're getting inducted to the Hall of Fame in Canada. So that's pretty cool um, from our little town uh, with uh, with the, uh, as many people that have done as well as they have. So. How did you say the name of the hometown? I think it was bigger Saskatchewan when I went to high school. Well, it's a yeah, yeah, bigger. It's B I G G A R A R. Yeah, home of the Hanson yeah. Buck. Oh. Well, I was going to say the only when I'm in the U.S., the only reason anybody here knows bigger Saskatchewan is the Hanson Buck. Yeah, exactly right. And they had uh, Hannigans as well. I remember remember eating at Hannigans and in, in bigger. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't had Hannigans in a long time, but that was <laughs> yeah. a big. 
that was a big deal when I was a kid to be able to go to Hannigan. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Minton, Saskatchewan. It was my home town, so probably a very similar club to what you were used to curling in, just a little two-sheet sure. Quonset. And uh, yeah. the closest Hannigans we had was in Radville, so we'd, we'd have okay. to go a little north <laughs> to get Hannigans, but made some trips yeah, so, out that way. What is a Hannigans so the, for the uh, uncultured It's just like restaurant? A, just, yeah, kind of a fast food diner type of deal, but... yeah. A knockoff of a of a McDonald's sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking like a A and W. You know, like a little Not little big. yeah, yeah a little so, higher class kind of like fast that, food. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. Uh, and then so and then so Dupro, our curling rink burned down when I was a kid. So they built a new one, but you know, probably in hindsight, it was a mistake because just there's no people there. You know, even at that time. So uh, and then so bigger is kind of where we sort of started. I uh, kept curling. And uh, and then I see now they they had some structural damage from some snow, and uh, so they're closed right now. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Hopefully they can get it figured out to get uh, get the place back operating. So we kind of a sad uh, sad yeah. deal from that regard. Feel you yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think you guys got as much snow in April of twenty one, but uh, you know we got four or five feet. You know, and that actually took out our chiller. So snow damage. You know, okay, yeah, like, one hundred fifty yeah. grand later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was just nice yeah. that it happened after our season ended. Yeah. Yeah, lucky. Well, yeah, because they lost their whole year for this year. So yeah, that's bad. that's really unfortunate. Well, I, my father-in-law, I, I married a Canadian gal. Since we're on the topic, um, he uh, lives in Redvers there, and uh, you know their membership dropped so low this year, they decided not to have a curling season. So yeah, it's it's kind of sad seeing the small town curling dry up. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So in uh, Grand Forks, um, how many league nights um, do you have? I mean, you mentioned a couple of the leagues. Um, your intramurals, are you? going for something every day of the week or so we're curling uh, now we're curling six days a week um so that um, it's a bit of an exaggeration because we've started a league on friday nights um and it's a doubles league we're, we're not doing mixed doubles we're just doing doubles and um and we're selfish a little bit here in that we we schedule it around the sioux hockey game so if the sioux are in town <laughs> we don't have the league makes sense and if they and if they aren't we do so that's our sixth night so it's probably more accurately five and a half to be fair but uh but yeah it's it's there's not many days where there's not something going on so well it's good to see and good registration i assume too being out in grand forks i mean that's always been a town that's had a pretty rich curling history yeah we, and, and you know it's when i first got to town here you know it was this well, i mean i think a lot of rinks are the same way i i didn't have anything to do with it at the time but i know the, the guys that were on the board they would talk about how uh you know, they all had to pay their dues like the first meeting just so you could get the power bill caught up and stuff like that from the summer. And uh, and so, and there wasn't, I think when the flood was on, they were down to 70 members after the year after the flood. And then, so this year we cracked 300 for the first time. Um, hey, and uh, Yeah, and we've got, you know, we got three, three draws going on Monday, two on Tuesday, three on Wednesday, three on Thursday now, and uh, the two on Sunday. And so really... We've got room for two more teams on Tuesday afternoon, and, and that's the only space we have available other than finding even more uh, uh, draws at different times, you know. So so that part of it, in terms of the interest and all that stuff, I feel like that's gone pretty well. So maybe a dumb question here. But so you, you said you had three draws. You do six end games then? Pretty standard for leagues? No, no uh, we're, we're eight ends. You're eight yeah, ends, eight okay. Ends. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so on our Monday nights, you know, that's a yeah, – yeah. I'm making a quote marks with my fingers as I say competitive. It's uh, really, it's it's not like it used to be in terms of we're not going to say no, you're not good enough, you can't curl. If there's an empty spot, <laughs> yeah. And we always the the adage always uses all the only criteria you need is for your check to clear. Yeah, and, well, sure. competitive but not high performance necessarily. Yeah, yes. yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. And okay, then, so, so we play eight eight ends there, and I'm not gonna lie, it gets to be a little bit of a struggle to get it done, and uh, so we really, we really. Uh, kind of taking it upon ourselves to just sort of make sure people understand that you know it, it, it's it doesn't need to take this long and uh, and i get you want to talk about your last shot for a few minutes that's totally fine yeah but we just waste so much time that in in the early positions when those rocks uh could be you know on the way and save some time there so that you could do some of that stuff so now we do like that tuesday afternoon league at six ends uh the thursday afternoon league we started at eight and then we switched to six because it just wasn't getting done on time um, sure you must have a nine nine thirty p.m draw then or something if you're doing three well, we got a six thirty and an eight thirty are the two later draws draws and then we've got a lot of afternoon stuff going on oh, so we okay. have wednesday afternoon at four o'clock and uh, uh thursdays at 4 30 and tuesdays at five and so uh people are sneaking out of work or something but uh doesn't seem like it's been too 
too difficult to fill those. The, the Thursday one, we just added it this year because honestly, we just didn't have room to put anybody anymore. And then so we got it at that uh, 4.30 slot um, and it wasn't going well, wasn't going well. And then last minute, bang, nine teams, you know, so it, uh, it, it filled up. You just had to be patient. And I, uh, you kind of answered my, my question here partially. I, I was going to ask about what time frame you shoot to get eight ends in down. It sounds like 6.30, 8.30, so you're hoping to have it all done in two hours there. Um, you know, we're getting in the weeds here, so we don't need to dwell on it too much, but I was curious about ice logistics. You know, do you assign, I know some clubs assign people like teams, like, hey, you guys are the ones that are going to pebble and nip tonight or whatever. Um, you know, in some clubs like us, it's usually we have like a league manager and they're the one that makes sure that the ice gets pebble and nip, which usually means that they go do it you know ahead of time um we do six end games and and we don't uh, pebble and nip between them so you'll actually go 12 ends on a sheet without it getting maintained so if you're on the late draw your last couple ends sometimes start yeah, to suffer a so wee great, bit but not so great but you know we we switch to ro water and stuff so we get harder pebble on there now um you know so it's 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 improved a lot here for the play quality and why not um with some of those changes but just wondering how you guys handle you know that that kind of league maintenance you know we're all on the leadership here too and and, and care about those things so so uh, a lot's changed for us uh, for, for one reason is that we finally, um, it, it's gotten to the point where it was too much for volunteers for this place, yep. like for rentals and things like that. So the club uh, sat down and had a visit about that. And so we hired a, a full-time manager for, for oh. six months a year. And so that's me. And uh, so that's kind of what I do for a living now from, uh, from the first uh, 15th of October until the, uh, the middle of April, essentially. So, so I kind of manage those transitions between those leagues. There's only one, one where we don't pebble between um, and nobody's complained. So I guess we'll leave it that way. But everything gets a pebble and a nip uh, before they play. And, uh, you know, so that's how we're doing it. So I'm kind of. We're uh, humping around there, and I'm not implying it's just me. Lots of guys are pitching in and yeah. helping. But, you know, I kind of coordinated each night to pull somebody out of the crowd or whatever you do to, to give you a hand with uh, with getting that done. Well, I'm looking yeah. at your schedule, too. You know, six nights a week, you're curling. So, Dan, you got more than a full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah well, this, it's, it's been busy. And, and you know, that's, uh, Saturday is uh, – there's lots of people here Saturday. And, and the one thing that's kind of taken off here is just rentals, right? So company Christmas parties, uh, team-building things with – corporations we get a lot of base groups and yeah. so uh it just you know and they're there during the day because we're curling at night and it was just getting really hard we were having to turn people away so, that's hey, us we too yeah, yeah we we, we, we do turn people away if they contact and they want like a tuesday afternoon and like unless they know a club member who's gonna like come facilitate it for them we're like no you know we're all volunteers we got day jobs so yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, yeah. it was always awkward because we sort of positioned it that way that you kind of got to know somebody while well, someone calls and they don't know anything about curling you know how are they going to find somebody and then yeah the answer is no and it just really didn't sit well with us uh, to to do that so it yep. uh, so being able to do those rentals kind of helps toward paying somebody a salary and uh yep. and yep. Um, you know that kind of goes toward that it so is i mean we're right at the same we're, we're just a little bit smaller but you're running into the exact same issues that we have here i and mean if, if we got any busier we'd be in in about that same boat well we have gotten right. busier yep. this year we added like the prairie mm-hmm. grid stuff we're doing adaptive curling clay added youth curling we're doing that on sundays you know we, we touched on that um you know and, and i have a military league on tuesdays so so we have stuff here typically five or six nights a week as well you know we've been very not fortunate this year i haven't gotten much rental requests this year i think it's because we're between olympic cycles we we had to start filtering them a little bit too. i mean i i I had to start filtering a couple of the the incoming messages going in more or less going like we it's the same thing we we simply don't have time to cover every single request no it is unfortunate yeah yeah so um yeah so so you applied six days and it's not it's seven yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. but it's but i get i have a lot of help i don't mean to imply it's uh, that's not the case it absolutely is just because the clubs are so similar here i mean we're getting into quite into the details but i mean we actually have have the opportunity too um do you how often do you scrape i mean so we scrape um uh, every day that there's leagues uh, these Sunday ones, depending on when I scraped last, um, uh, sometimes they I'll just do a pebble and it's been fine. I think uh, I scraped today just because I wanted to. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't going to sit down and watch the football game, and I was bored, so I thought oh, I might as well just scrape. So, so we scrape every day ahead of ahead of our leagues, and uh, and so we get a lot of that. Okay. 
How often are you typically putting floods on? So we put, we put one on. So we started November 1. We put one on. Um, we stretched it out till the middle of December. We put one on then. And I'm going to do one probably Tuesday night this week. And then I'll do one on uh, right before a men's boss field in the middle of March. So you're going and like six, so we, eight weeks, huh? Yeah, uh, at the most. It's yeah. Probably if you're going to pick an average, it's about six, five or six. Um, I, I'm questioning here on, you know, on ice logistics too. One of them for us is, uh, you know, we, we end up doing more flooding than we would like to because our building isn't insulated. And so, you know, a lot of times we get frost off of one wall, like right now, sheet one over here that touches the wall has got a hill on it because the frost came off and it keeps coming off this time of year. Um, right. you know, what's your guys' facility like over there? I thought I had heard that you guys had moved into a new home a few years back. Um, am I on there? Am I off? Um, right. So we, uh, in, uh, we talked about it for years everybody always does and then so in april of 2016 uh we didn't have very much money um and we just started tearing stuff down and thinking well we'll we'll figure it out (laughs) and so uh uh, we started curling in a new building on uh in january of 2017 and then so the new building is right on the same footprint as the old building okay Uh, because we didn't have a lot of money we recycled quite a bit of stuff so the the concrete floor that's on our ice, under our ice, is the same concrete floor that was in the old building. Um, the, the guys in the club back in the 60s, uh, they put uh, that floor in, and it's, it, I'm knocking on wood as I say this, but it hasn't moved, uh, and it served us really well. So we just tore down around it and, and built a new club around that thing. So we, we, we robbed about 10 feet on the north end of our building, and everything else is in the same place as the old building. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, and then so we've got it, you know, we, we, it was pretty shoestring as I alluded to. And then so we're making improvements all the time. So a few years ago, we spray foamed the ice house area and then put tin up. And so our, our ice house is really tight. And so we uh, we don't get frost coming in off the wall like you're talking about, but we get plenty of frost. And that's that's going to be our next major purchase, I think, is dehumidification just to try to, to deal to deal with that. So, um, But from that perspective, otherwise, we're pretty lucky. It's a pretty solid building, uh, very solid floor, and we don't have a lot of grief that way. And in my understanding, you mentioned dehumidification, that you can only, it's only worth it to dehumidify if your building is insulated in the first place, I would assume. So I don't, you know, I guess I've spent a lot of time looking into this and I've got people talking to me. There's a couple other ice makers that uh, are, are really interested and in. they've got a few theories on, on how that stuff works. And, and the fact that a building isn't insulated necessarily might actually be a good thing in that if you could pressurize that building a little bit, then uh, your everything's leaving your building all the time, including your heat, which that's not a good thing necessarily. But that moisture is leaving the building, and that that might actually be uh, the the best case scenario in that situation. So hmm. so our tight building that is you know uh, super well tight, there's no other word to use, is uh, probably a blessing and a little bit of a curse from that perspective. Gotcha. I mean, that dehumidification is something that we've tossed around here and, and we we haven't pulled the trigger on it, but just because of the issues we have with the condensation on the walls, it's well, something it's, we're definitely... We've been focused on trying to get our building insulated and, and maybe getting some traction with that. I don't know what your guys' ownership is. You know, we're here on the state fairgrounds in Minot, yep. you know, so we got to work everything through them, which, you know, takes a while because they have to run it through the legislature and that's every two years. Um you know, so if you don't get it, it's it's hurry up and wait again. And that's um, a and that's a rare one too. I mean, they really do not like. They're pretty much self sufficient at the state fair. So, yeah. asking the legislature for funds for them is a is a the very right. worst yeah. case scenario yeah. for in their in their yeah. eyes. We're we're on park board land, but we own the building. So we any any improvements you want to make is is our call, mm-hmm. but it's on our dime as well. So yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's it's not all good, no matter what your structure right, is. Right. Yeah. Give and there's take. No right? perfect, yep. There's yep. no perfect scenario. That's that's true. Well, where are we going? All right on. Yeah. Well, I mean, while we're talking facility and stuff too, let's tell us a little bit of club history. Uh, what what you might know. Uh, how long has the Grand Forks Curling Club been around? And uh, 
how's it progressed kind of through the nolan nolan's leading you here too dan i have a tidbit um on your guys's website i i was doing a little bit of research and it said incorporated 1914 was the first records um i went to the library of congress because i've done this for the minot club and did a newspaper search for grand forks curling and i i saw you guys incorporated 1912 I don't know anything past that though. I got, I, I read like through 1920 and your guys' story was so similar to Minot's. I actually think some of the same people, you know, were involved in starting both of those clubs, you know, over a hundred years ago. Um, but yeah, yep, yeah. yep. So they were out in the fairgrounds as I understand it at one time. And then they, they, and it was, I think in under what you might call a hay shelter. So it was mostly outdoors, but it did have a roof, which is probably quite a, quite a, a leap in technology at the time right but yeah. um and then they built the old building that we're right on this footprint where i'm sitting now and uh, that was in the 60s i want to say 62 or something like that and that building it was small and it was one story and we thought ah you know it was obviously needed something but once we started tearing into it it was in bad shape there was dead animals in the roof and uh, <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the beams were completely rusted through so we were in worse shape than we thought at the time and yeah. uh but in terms of the history of it, yeah, that's 1962 or something like that was when we kind of got going in a in a dedicated facility, and I think you know they had a lot of history from that perspective. And that uh, you know the Barkums are were curlers here uh, uh, back in the day, and, and Don Barkum and his brother they won World Juniors, and their dad, uh, Doctor uh, Barkum, he was uh, ended up being the president of the World Curling Federation, and so they were really involved in that. Um, we've had. Um, uh, some other curlers as well. Uh, there's a fellow by the name of Larry Johnson. He he left us here a few years ago, so we really miss him. Uh, but he won the World Men's a few times. He was the, the U.S. representative in um, in uh, when it was held in Bismarck. So you, if you remember, I can't remember what year it was. It was about 2004 or something like that, or maybe yep. three. And uh, so he was the U.S. representative there. So they they did really well, and he never started curling until he was – he was late in life you know i think he might have started curling as a senior and just you know an athletic guy and just really took to it so which event so was it him, in bismarck again they held that, both that, nationals i thought the men's no event. it was the world curling uh men's and then they had the senior men's at the same time okay so they had they had the men's in the in the what do you guys call the the facility downtown the uh oh, the Coliseum. civic center uh, in the Bi civic center yeah. thank you that's where the men's was and then the seniors was in the curling club okay yep yep that that makes sense because that's after that event was held that's really when curling really picked up in bismarck and became and super popular so yeah i'm sure i'm sure yeah <clears throat> yeah so that's that, that's kind of the some of the bigger names are we have some families that have been here from from sort of the beginning and always been important to us so the satram family uh they've they've uh, been around our curling club for for a long time and uh, we've really appreciated them and and uh, kind of going from there so so it's it's uh, been a long time and as you can imagine there's a lot of people go through through your doors over 100 years so we're we're happy to have known them certainly absolutely absolutely and i'm i'm, I'm noticing a trend here between mine at williston grand forks it seems all of us they just fairgrounds must have been the place to build a club at the time yeah yeah. Um, if you've ever been to Williston's Club, it's it's pretty much a carbon copy of Minot's. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's so funny too the years there as well because this building, well. this yeah. building, the story I tell, and, and this may be off a, a year or two, but 1958 they funded and broke ground, um, and they completed in 1961. And the facility we're still into this day. I guess we were fortunate work with the fairgrounds, and you know we have we have a nice club, you know, two story with the clubhouse up here. That that classic curling layout, I'd say, but. Yep. You know, room room for six sheets, but we only run five. You know, um, yeah, and a lot of our stuff is you know it's been replaced over the years too. You know, the fairgrounds has kept the building in in great shape. You know, so we're now don't have any structural issues, but you know we're on the hook for all the plant stuff. And so you know we've gone through yeah. and after the flood here, you know, in 2011 too, you know we put in a new floor after that. So we're on our second floor. Uh, it's right. not perfect. There's a big clay deposit under sheet five, I think, because it always heaves. But you know, other than that, uh, you. Know, it's just maintenance keep up keep and, and try not to have big breakdowns so yeah, yeah and I, I don't know why we didn't get on to uh, uh fairground land or why the history of that why we left it that's that's long before my time yeah. uh but we're on park board land and so that's kind of a happy uh sort of a happy medium because i know bismarck for example they're on park board land mm -hmm. uh, but the park board i think owns the building so they've got a a lot more probably this is sort of the situation you guys are in where you're 
you want to do something that's not really necessarily your your right to do it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we're a little more autonomous than them, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious to ask, just being the fact that you guys are on Park Board land, are you a member of the Grand Forks Parks District? Do they help you run events and things like that? Or are you a, just a sole operation? Just happen we're, to be we're a on? sole operation. They uh, uh, they are they're gracious enough to run their equipment in front of the building to pick up the snow. Right. And yeah. uh, beyond that, we're kind of our own deal. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. that's how we are with our our own park district um no direct affiliation with the we did run youth curling registration through them as kind of our trial Mm -hmm. um because i think in the in the twin cities there are a number of clubs that are that are rec programs yep um they get a lot of you know it all all subsidize the programs allow them to really build up their facilities also there's a lot more people but how did that um, work for you this year what was that how did that work for you this year oh very good it was it was just a, a we use their registration system. I mean, currently at our club, Wes and I have to build all the forms, um, handle the registration ourselves from that one. We yep. we get it done, but we are by no means professionals at it. Um, and, and advertising too. You know, they have established <laughs> channels that people check, you know, and, and for us getting the word out, you know, we got to pay to like advertise on the radio or the paper yeah. or something, you know. Well, um, that was one of the big reasons we started this was to try a different avenue or really yeah. getting events out. Yeah, so. yeah, 100%. Yep. So, so, yeah, um, so we were, we were one wondering about that about uh maybe looking at doing something more through their system we we they put an ad in their book um but you know it's it's just that they still come register with us and and going yeah we're starting small on that one we're just doing the kids registration sign up i mean one of the big ones and it's a question i wanted to ask anyway um but the way that we have to do the usa curling registration get all the info for that one um that's that's part of the nuances where that makes our registration difficult but the other one is um uh we only charge one lump sum per curler and you can curl as many nights a week as you want do you have a similar setup there uh we have a membership fee which is the lion's share of their dues and then it's 40 bucks for each league that you're in on top of that so okay um uh, so if you if you're in two leagues you're, you're paying a little more than the guy in one league um but honestly for us we're kind of getting to the point now where you know if a guy's playing in three leagues you're kind of so we're getting uh, i'm going to sound like a uh, terrible capitalist at this point but <laughs> but we're getting 80 dollars uh extra from him being in two extra leagues more than the one and whereas that could be two new members you know and uh sure and and so yeah. that's the one thing is that we've there was lots of people. You don't want to say no, but yep. at some point yep. uh, we want to make sure we have enough room for, for everybody. You know? so. Well, I, I like that too. I actually was writing that down. Um, you know, we've talked about changing our membership model to go towards like you pay per league or something, but I, I, I think your guys is a happy medium and I hadn't considered that before having a membership fee and then also a league fee, you know, and I, I, yeah, I like, I like your point fee. there too. If you're capped up on space, you don't want to take a spot from somebody curling three nights when maybe you could bring in that new person and we're not yeah, quite yeah. there yet, but you know, yeah, a new member, uh, a membership is like two hundred twenty-five dollars, and then forty dollars per league after that. Yeah, real close to us. We're yeah. after the fees and the USCA. We're about three twenty for an individual curler. I want to say okay. um, non novice. Yeah, for, yeah, non novice. Yeah. We have a novice rate, which is like right shy of two hundred. I think for the first year. Um, you know, we, we talked before about my military league too. You know, we, we hit them for less, but uh, yeah, right. yep. Now these mini leagues, we just do a like. And it basically work out to be about ten bucks a night, like you're talking about. But I just I'll charge you fifty or sixty, depending on how many nights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're on that upfront, and then uh, uh, you know, so we used to have a fifty percent discount for a new member, and I just I, I just we ch- we stopped doing that, and because I just don't feel like uh, you you were that it worked that well. Uh, it, I don't think someone that wasn't what was stopping them. Yeah, 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 and that isn't what was stopping them. Exactly right. So. So we've got a little bit of a bump in that just because we're charging some of these newbies more. And the other thing, I think I went to a symposium in Winnipeg last spring and and they talked about, well, if you have that discount, you're kind of setting the guy's expectations. And then now next year you want double that. Yeah. And, and they know, go, well, I'm not going to have twice as much fun. I'll just not go. You know, yeah. Yeah. I see and people whereas, doing it, that. whereas if it was 200 and some odd right out of the gate, maybe it would be easier. So we'll, It'll be interesting to see next year what happens with our new curlers. I know we lost a, a, a lot of them in the past. 
do you guys have school rates? You know, that's another discount we give. You know, we uh, if you're a, a high school student or a college student, you know, actively enrolled full time, um, you know, we have a reduced rate. And I think it's the exact same as our novice rate is what we do with it. Yeah, we're, we're 50 percent off for, uh, yep. for yep. A, so, a social membership, a college kid or a high school kid. Yep. OK, great. All right. Yep. All right cool. Um, what about uh, what's what's some events and stuff that you run throughout the year as well? Uh, the, and obviously, you got a really busy league schedule. It sounds like being there quite a few nights. Yeah, out of the, the, week. the leagues are busy. We uh, on the weekends we're doing a lot of these rentals as I talked about. So companies coming in doing them. Uh, lots of base groups. Probably the one that's the most unique for us now is the last two years in the fall in September, um, starting about that second week. Uh, they there's a group of people come in and they transform the building and what their group is called tag and that stands for the art of giving so if you're an artist in the upper midwest and you paint a, 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 a i'm going to sound like a total redneck and you paint a picture that's a terrible way <laughs> if you produce a piece of art um i think it's a, a challenge to find a, a, a vehicle to sell it where someone that's of that mind that would like something like that putting them together is is not easy so this group has put together an art show essentially and uh, so they come into the club and they they uh the first year we were very uneasy because they take everything down like every sort of one of our pictures of our members and all that stuff and they file it away nice and they do a good job of that but it's all gone and they've got uh i think 300 some odd pieces of art uh that's for sale on one night a couple weeks later and so that's been a unique thing for us and then uh, in the same vein right after that they have um, they try to build a children's museum here and so they have a traveling um, museum sort of show that they uh, set up and they run it for a month uh, so kids come through here I think they thought there was 7,000 people came through in each of the last two years uh, for those two events and so that really eats into our fall and it's kind of eaten into our, our ice install you know so we'd have to tear that down quick as we can just to get going in time for our leagues and stuff like that but it's um it's different and it's unique and it gets a different type of people in here that might not be here otherwise so it's been it's been really fun and unique and i think uh you know a good deal I was going to wonder too, you know, uh, regular curling events, right? You know, I, I obviously, uh, my ignorance have not been to your guys' Grand Forks Club there. If I was going to try and catch a spiel, do you have some that are maybe more uh, high performance focused? You guys do cash spiels? Do you have, uh, you know, our, our, my favorite bond spiel in Minots are Andy Gear, the shirt sleeve. You may be familiar with it if you've curled in Minot. Yeah, I am, yeah. Um, yeah you know, I, that's that's a social spiel, right? You know, we don't yeah. give cash prizes. It's a Morelli's sweatshirts and stuff. We get a band, right. you know, uh, uh, what's the lay of the land out there for annual bond spiels? Yeah, and so for our other events um, and, and our bond spiels, we do a few weddings over the summer out in the ice house part of it as well as a, a different sort of thing. And then getting to the bond spiels, um, we've always had junior spiels kind of sporadically when when uh, kind of uh, reach out to the folks in Winnipeg. So there was years there where we'd get a ton of junior curlers come down for a junior spiel. And then COVID kind of sort of kicked that back a little bit. So we're working on building that back up. But we have a traditional women's bond spiel in um, the middle of February. And so that's coming up pretty quick. So finding a regular just women's bond spiels is kind of getting increasingly difficult. So that's one thing we do that's a little bit unique. And then we have our big one, which is our men's one, uh, in the middle of March. And, uh, and so that's been... I think last year was the 70th, 70th annual, uh, except for COVID, of course. And um, uh, and so that's the other one. And then we do another one that's going to be this coming weekend. It's just an open spiel. Um, and we were trying to just differentiate a little bit. So it's two days. You're going to curl Friday night and all day Saturday, and then you'll be done. And so we'll fire through that as quick as we can. But uh, that's gone well the last few years and fills up real quick. I, I, I think as people have registered for our spiels, we're always a little bit, come on, I wish you'd sort of get off dead center and say you're coming or not. And then last minute, everybody shows up and you, know, you wonder what you're worried about. But uh, on some of these, you're starting to get them, people trained a little differently that if they're going to come, they, they register nice and early. So you kind of know where you're standing on that. So, so that's our three big ones um, that, that we have uh, with respect to spiels themselves. All right. And so you mentioned you have your women's spiel in February and then the men's spiel uh, mid-March and stuff like that. Um, my question was, because we, we had an episode with, with Mark Hildall, which I'm sure you've, you've ran into Mark. Uh, I know, being, yeah, I know Mark. He yeah. was my dentist when I lived in uh, Minot. And then yeah. I used to see Mark 
quite a bit of uh, hockey games, but it's been a while since I've seen him there. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Uh, we we had an episode of him just kind of talking about uh, the history of our, of our shirt sleeve bond spiel and other bond spiels that happened at the club. And he mentioned kind of the way of of like cash spiels and things like that. So I was curious to see. Do you run your men's spiel as like a cash spiel, or is it more of a a social spiel spiel where you come and winners win prizes as opposed to a pot of money? Yeah. No. So it's a pot of money. Just I think to keep it simple. But, you know, it's not a big pot of money. And that's one thing that really seems like bond spiels are sort of separated. You're either running one that's kind of a, you know, I'll use the term big time, where it's big dollars and you start to get, you know, more competitive curlers. Yep. Or it seems like the bond spiels have kind of gone away from much in the way of prizes at all. And and you, and your goal is to give your curlers an experience that they enjoy coming and have fun. And, you know, if they win something, it's, you know, they're going to pay their they get their dues back certainly and do a little bit more nap, but it's you're not winning thousands of dollars anymore. Oh yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of what Mark had said too. It's just like he, he, those yeah. big cash spiels were starting to be really tough to run because you're almost chasing local curlers away as opposed. Yeah. To- well, and his point yeah. was it it changed the culture, you know. And I yeah. I think you know I, again I wasn't there pre when they started doing cash spiels, but you know seeing our club and and we're social focused, right? Um, you know I, I like that atmosphere. I like that side of the sport, and that's th- something we've struggled with in Minot is providing more of a high performance atmosphere for for those that want to pursue it and i I think we're getting better but you know having a cash deal and stuff like that i think would go a long way towards you know supporting those people but do you get a lot of canadian teams down by the way for your largest deals yeah so for that men's bond spiel pre-covid it was a lot of canadian teams and then they're coming back now so we're probably about half uh teams from winnipeg Oh, that's really? great! Wow, oh. yeah. Okay, yeah, we're we're still struggling to get the Canadian teams down um, post COVID. Yeah, yeah post COVID. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 a good time, and they come to town and they whoop it up pretty good, and uh, we try to put on a show with good ice and uh, and a good atmosphere and that type of thing, and uh, they seem like they appreciate it because I mean, there's guys that have been coming to that spiel for. Yeah, thirty years. Yeah, but those kind of you, you mentioned whoop it up. I was going to ask about the women's bond spiel too. Uh, do you have a lot of tired male volunteers that feel like they need to take a week off after that? Because uh, I'm I'm in that boat, and I think Clay might be in the same boat because we <laughs> yes. got the late bar shifts for for the women's spiel that just happened here, and I think I could sleep for about twelve days now. Yeah. So, how many teams did you guys have for that? Uh, just a dozen. It's it's fair. It's fairly new bond spiel. Uh, fourth fourth yeah. year. Yeah. Fourth year that they've they've done it. Um, so it was just just small twelve team bracket. And, this and year, ours but. ours is it used to be kind of that sixteen pre COVID, and now it's probably about a dozen. And um, and so they they went through it. I think they might even be done Saturday night too. Mm-hmm. Um, so people can. Uh, but it's it's. Um, it's not a rock, and I don't feel like it's a kind of a gong show, if that's the term. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they definitely have their fun, and yeah. uh, after any bond spiel, Monday always is a, is a long day. No oh, yeah, well, we got to yeah. gotta get your ladies uh, hooked up with our ladies, too, and, and get them going back and forth. Um, yeah, know, I think that'd yeah, be great. Yeah. We got gals here, you know, again, that one's more of a social spiel, but we got gals here that are, are, are I don't know if their goal is high-performance curling, but you know, they're, they're getting darn close to that class, you mm-hmm. know, so I think it'd be fun to well, get them going and, and back. Back and forth. One of our leagues, our Tuesday night at seven o'clock league, is a women's league, and it's got it's over full. It's got nine teams, and uh, it's been going for a long time, and uh, uh, is uh, kind of a going concern. So I, I don't know how many clubs have true women's leagues anymore. Yeah, we don't. Um, yeah, we're, ours are all open, open leagues. Yeah. We, we talked about it, but there's just it ends up just robbing from the other nights. I mean, we logistically yeah. couldn't make it work and, and fill enough women's only teams when you have well, we. We just operate mixed yeah, uh, throughout right, the week. Right. But do you have dedicated men's leagues or is it yeah. mixed for the others? Yeah. Well, and that's been a bit of a debate because our Thursday night open league um, was kind of the, the only true open one we had. Um, and then everything else, the women's league was on Tuesday that I mentioned, and everything else was men's. And then so like teams that uh, Thursday night has been the one league that's been full for as long as I can remember to the point where you're turning people away. And then, so we've been trying to find uh, slots and we've considered changing some of these, uh, these men's leagues to, to be in more of an open thing so that you could accommodate everybody. But that Thursday afternoon one is an open league. And that seems like it's taken the pressure off of that part of it for now anyway. And I guess we'll see, but Monday, both draws on Monday are, are uh, men's league, uh, Tuesday, that's an open in the afternoon. These afternoon ones have, have solved a lot of our problems in that regard. Sure. Um, and then on Wednesday, there's there's uh, three leagues, 
and it's 98% men. We wouldn't say no to a woman. In fact, my daughter curls with me in the one of them, um, but there's not very many women in those two, those three leagues. So, so we, we may have to take a look at that at some point about making some changes in that regard. So, Sure thing. I mean, what, what are we in, in our club? Are we about... 75% men, 60% men? No, I put my foot in my mouth last year doing it? that one. We're we're probably over 40 now because last year it was 40% female going 40, through the okay. registration Yeah, that list. sounds about right. And that's skewed because I think, you know, we've got people that curl multiple nights. So you might see more guys out there doing two or three nights. But, uh, you know, and there's gals that do that, though, too, you know, so mm-hmm. hard to tell. But, yeah, yeah, we'd have to go look down and sit at it. But approaching half, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's great. I think a big part, <coughs> pardon me. <clears throat> big part has been the the women's bond spiel that they started up you know and, and that's that's bringing more women into the sport at our club because it was hard to get them at the learn to curls before you know it's hard to get people at them in general but you yeah know. it's it's almost given given them more of a reason to to sharpen their skills because they can go yeah. home with a neat little trophy and, and yeah. surprises yeah and we almost like had that. a first yeah. year team <laughs> we were we were talking earlier we almost had a first year team win win this year so it was, yeah, it was really something to see team and those first years out of a, a williston yep. team came in and end up winning but um there was a first year um women's team from mine that that went all the way to the championship to an extra yeah. end yeah, yeah extra yeah, end like, like low 20s i think they're all physical therapists or something working at uh, trinity yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. athletic group of young, young gals out there so right, yeah and so we're doing learn to curls we will do like three or four a season and you know i guess if we ever felt like there was more demand we'd do more but uh I tried, we've always done them Sunday afternoons. So I tried one on a Friday night here a while back and it was okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, wasn't bursting at the seams by any means. So, so Dan, um, I got one here. You know, and this is this is kind of a two-parter. You know, we had talked before about the military stuff there, and and what I want to ask is about rentals out there. You know, uh, uh, we've always thought about raising our prices, and we did raise our price here. You know, so now our minimum rental rate is three hundred dollars to get in the door. You know, um, you know what what are your guys what are you guys charging out there for your rentals? Um, what are your, what do you usually do for your rentals? Like, you know, obviously if you have different groups. You you know, you kind of modify it a little bit for us, you know, depending on how, you know, social they want to be or how much they just want to learn about curling, you know, how much time you're actually spending on the ice. Uh, what does that look like for you? Uh, how have you grown that with the Air Force Base, you know, word of mouth, um, you know, who are these people coming in and, and what does the structure look like when you do a rental? Uh, so for a, for a kind of an afternoon rental, we position is sort of three hours and that'll be a, a, a two hours on the ice and you could roughly break it into an hour of how to and then an hour of games. And then basically an hour in our lounge kind of bragging on who beat up on whoever else. You know? yeah. so it is sort of, that's generally how it is. If it's like Christmas party or something like that, then they're probably going to want some more time after in the evening. Mm-hmm. And then um, from, from the perspective of how much, it, it varies a little bit. Uh, if it's... Um, if it's an orphanage, I'll charge less. Yeah, <laughs> and, if yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> and if it's somebody else, we'll probably get to a more standard rate. But I, I oh, you guys don't we, have a fixed we, one. We, yeah, and we've fine. always yeah. done that as well. Yeah. I mean, we we had to kind of tighten it down with the number of requests. But yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. we have a minimum of two hundred dollars um, to to basically host anything. Yep. Uh, and then after that, what I'll do is I I really resist the uh, theater pricing model where it's per person. Yeah. So I'll kind of get them to give me an estimate of what they expect would attend and then they'll see uh, uh, 20 people and then in my math my head I'll do some quick math and I'll charge them both 400 bucks so it's ish $20 a person and then if 15 show up that's on them I don't say $20 a person to them I give them a, a number you're paying us $400 or 600 or whatever the number would be um, and uh, and then after that their attendance is on them and that, that's I think worked pretty well and it seems like it's a value I had a guy ask about it the other day and he goes oh same as bowling and so we must be close I think on our numbers uh, we uh, for, for we use there. that phrase all the time actually for selling it when people look at the price we go well you average it out it's the same as bowling for our leagues you know um, or cheaper um, and the other part there too you know talking about how many people we do do a per head rate you know um, once they get over like 20 people you know we kind of start charging per head but that's because of instructors for us you know again all volunteer ran over here so you know if you have 50 people i need more instructors to do your guys's learn to curl before you 
get your game in, whatever you're going to do, game or shootout. Um, you know, and so that determines really on our end how much work we have to put in. Like, yeah, I'm not I, spending more money on utilities because you had 50 versus 15, but, you know, it's it's more of a hassle for us to get the volunteers. They're giving up their time, you know, and we just want to get more back for the club if we're going through that extra work. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah that's, so that's kind of how we handle it. Sounds very similar. So. Yeah, yeah, similar pricing, similar yeah, reasoning. So, yeah, just I like it. Our, our logic is must be sound then, right? So. Right, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got much else for questions, boys? I, we've been uh, chatting a while know, here. Is there a good any, talk, any, yeah. anything we missed, or anything that you'd like to, yeah. to touch on, or anything like that? Well, the only thing I was gonna—I I meant to uh, talk about when I lived in Minot and I was curling, and when I first moved to town, I thought, well, I should check out the curling. Line. So I went down there, and it was October, and uh, the place wasn't really opened up yet, although there was a, a a dark figure at the far end of the rink with a hose in his hand and he was and he was flooding so he was getting ready for it and then we talked for just a couple minutes and he asked where i was from and i told him and and he looks at me he goes oh you might know me <laughs> and so it was bob labonte right? oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so then when i grew up i mean everybody knew of bob labonte where i was from yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah. so i get on the phone after i left there and i called i don't know how many people to say hey guess who i just met so, yeah, so that was that was my first experience with curling and minot was getting to meet bob labonte so yeah we got to get him on the cast sometime yeah, yeah he'll be one of the, i yeah. still get his mail in the p.o box every now and then yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well yeah, thanks one, for the story. Yeah, yeah one good. one question too. I just bring it up a good memory about curling in Minot. One question we ask some new guests is: looking back at curling, I mean, you've done it for many years. Um, what's one of your favorite memories that you have, or favorite stories you have about curling? Now, we typically prefer it to be an embarrassing one or embarrassing about clay, because uh, we have a lot of local members that have some pretty good stories about clay. Obviously, you're not going to have any good <laughs> stories about clay. So, what's one of your your fondest curling memories over the years that you've been part well, of the sport? I, 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 I kind of go back to it as I'm getting older. You know, I'm appreciating it more because I get to do it with my kids, and so. Um, you know, when my kids were curling juniors, we traveled, you know, there was a, there was a, a kind of a period of time in there where the juniors were all over the place. My oldest daughter, her first one was in Devil's Lake, then Fairbanks, Alaska, then Boston, Massachusetts, then I think it was Wisconsin, then it was Seattle, and then I think her last year was Devil's Lake again. <laughs> and yeah. so she kind of bookended it nicely, but you got to go and see a lot of things and, uh, and uh, meet a lot of people that uh, you, you know i still interact with today on on different levels you know and uh, so that that part it's it's the family part of it for me uh, we're going to go in a bond spiel this that i talked about this open one this weekend with uh with my uh, my all three of my kids will be here at it and there's their uh my daughter's husband and uh, another daughter's boyfriend they're all curling together in it and so it's uh that that's the best been the best part for me and i've appreciated it more as i've got older yeah, yeah. That's, that's the nice thing about the curling community. Like you said, you can travel almost all over the world, and everyone seems to be very like-minded when it comes to comes to the sport. It's just a yeah, friendly, yeah, nice, easy to talk to strangers. Spirit of curling. Yeah, no, yep, it seems yeah, like it's, it's got around. Yep. And then for us, another, to me, the, the thing that I, I, I think I have the most, uh, well, that I f- remember the most fondly was when we built this building. Uh, like I say, we didn't have any money. We had $300,000 cash that we had saved up and got the donations. And then we have a, a pretty blue collar club in that it's a lot of construction type guys. And uh, so they did a lot of in-kind stuff. And then um, there was a bank here in town, First State Bank. For some reason, they give a loan on a curling club that was on park board land that they could never repossess <laughs> if we didn't pay them. <laughs> and um, so, and so it was, you know, 300 grand of cash, uh, uh, 300 grand of, uh, of in-kind stuff, and then 300 grand of a loan. Uh, and there's like 350 of each of those, but it was just over a million dollars, a lot of recycled stuff, as I talked about, and a lot of stuff that wasn't done that we've done since, but it was, uh, one of the guys likens it to uh, it's the way something got done in small towns, you know, 30 years ago. Yep. That, that any anymore, you have to have a fund drive, and it's got to be 20 million dollars sitting in a bank account somewhere, and blah blah blah. Yeah. And yeah. so everybody really pulled together, and when we needed money, we'd start calling people, and they'd give you something. So it was uh, pretty. The way we got it done, the fact that we did get it done was probably a miracle in hindsight. But yeah. Got lightning in a bottle a little bit there, and. Uh, 
and it's sure gone well since then. That is really amazing that what you got that done for. I mean, some of the prices that we looked into. Oh I, I believe God. the Fargo Club when that was built was probably. I, I'm. I could be. This is how bad I could be off by millions of dollars here. Yeah. I think it was six million. I was going to say five. Yeah, that's what I had. From so from yeah, that's unbelievable that you guys got oh, that. If we'd, right. have, yeah. if we'd have put a new floor in. Oh yeah. Here, uh, yeah. Good I mean, point. I, I think the building, or I think the bid at that time was like six hundred fifty thousand. You know, um, a parking lot across the street. I mean, a lot of people don't think about stuff like that, but if you went out somewhere else and you got to put a parking lot in, that's. You know, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. So uh, we, there's there's one wall in here. I'm looking at it right now. It's the windows in that wall are the same windows that was in the old building, uh, because it was twenty thousand dollars worth of windows. Yeah, and yep, so, sure. Uh, yep. So we cut a lot of corners on that stuff. Not anything that affected us long term or took took away from its effectiveness, but it just uh, if it wasn't us doing it. It would have been unreasonable to ask a contractor to say, hey, please be careful digging around this floor. Um, could you just sort of chip at it real nice and easy <laughs> yeah. and not wreck anything? You know what I mean? So uh, so because we had, you know, uh, uh, curlers that were uh, working with an excavating company, they they were happy to do that. And that worked out. We, we built a great big box around our plant because we our plant was new from when the world was here at the Ralph, we got, we made some money on that. So we put a new plant in there. So it's the same plant that was in the old building. And there was a big box around it for eight months or whatever the heck it was until we needed to, to get it going. So, so that's, that's why we got away with it that way. And, uh, and that bank, it was like I say, I still can't believe they did it, but they did it anyway. And so, was it First pretty, State Bank? Because I wrote them down in case we uh, need financing someday. They're 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 one of our calls. So. First State Bank, yeah, First exactly. State Bank, so perfect. Yeah so, yeah, so they were, and then you know there wasn't really anybody that was curlers there. So that was the odd part is that you think that a lot of times, well, it'll be some some banker that curls and he talks them into it and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, so we were pretty focused on treating them right, and we had a 15 year amortization, and we paid it off and five and so we're done with them in that regard and so we're pretty happy with that and it's given us a lot of freedom to do some of the things we're looking at doing now so yeah well we've gotten a piece of advice from a, a gentleman out in uh, fort wayne indiana craig and you know he he had said how they managed to get funding and land secured for their uh, new dedicated facility and you know he was make yourself an asset to the community get your name out there you know and, and eventually you'll find people and they'll become a part of the club and, and you'll make those things happen you know they had a, a similar story with the, a gentleman get involved with their club that owned the land that they purchased on contract for deed with financing you would you would never get at an institution you know so yeah 100%. yeah yeah it's about you know getting membership and, and doing good work out there so all right well what do we got we're right. saying bye that's probably all on like i said unless we missed anything but uh, i just want to say thank you very much for joining us and take time out of oh it's great of, of a busy sunday so uh we well, appreciate thanks for thanks for reaching out on it it's what you guys are doing is is cool uh because it's uh uh, uh, you know, we've talked for an hour or so, and so for someone to have to sit and listen to me for an hour at a bond spiel, uh, they wouldn't get all the as many of the details as, as they can with something like this. So, yeah. uh, what you guys are doing is a, is a good deal, and I really appreciate you guys in, including us in it, and, and let us know if there's anything we can ever help uh, in that regard. Awesome. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us, and yeah, uh, look forward to having you back on at a later date, obviously, if there's anything to talk about or anything even cool just yeah fun can, stories to trade i mean that's like i said that's the best part about curling you can chat for hours yeah, absolutely. So. you guys got an event too you want to plug uh, we can arrange that as well you know do a well, our, our men's bond spiel um uh, it fills up every year um and, but it's 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 fun and it, it's nice to meet new people there and it's like there's a lot of familiar faces which is awesome and then, so i would say that if people are looking for a kind of a unique experience uh, for something like that, our men's bond spill is uh, is a one of a kind. I would say. And you said mid March for that, correct? Yeah, March. It's at St. Patrick's Day, always around there. Okay. So this year it's March fifteenth to seventeenth. Are you full up yet, or can we get a team in? A uh, not not yet. Okay. We we uh, and when I I'm laughing as I say that, but we've got uh, I uh, you know I told you guys I'm the manager, so then I went on about how hard my life is and blah blah blah. <laughs> but we've obviously got a lot of we obviously have a lot of other people. So our guy, uh, this guy named Bob Bina that he uh, he's the kind of the coordinator for this thing. And so I always tease him because he doesn't use a laptop. He's got a, uh, I call it that yellow manila pad of paper that he has. He scratches notes on. That's I, what I'm I call writing him on. That, yeah. <laughs> I call it that, that his manila laptop. And then so I don't honestly have a clue how many teams he's got. 
but he's got them all in his head, and there are, he's got all their numbers in his head, and he'll sit down and call them, and they'll all say, yeah, and it'll be false. I wonder if he's related to Mark Hildall. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. sounds a lot like how Mark does things. <laughs> well, that's, they're the same vintage, I think. So okay, good, yeah. good. Yeah, we always thought we'd try and improve on it until Wes and I tried to do it ourselves once. Oh, and we, we ate so we, much we, crow. We, oh, yeah. boy, we tried to bring that into the 21st century, and we let him have it right I back I came again. crawling back on my <laughs> knees, and I said, Mark, please do scheduling again. I can't handle it. Well, we, we did a registration. We added a registration link for that men's bond spiel. But, but between Bob and, and knowing the guys and the guys having a lot of experience from just always calling Bob, um, I think there's like three people on there or something like that. It's it's probably yeah. almost a waste of time. But uh, ah, there's young people that like it. And so we'll try to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, right? so. yeah. Well, we're doing similar over here. Yeah. Yeah. Take it both yeah. ways. So, all right. Well, thanks again, Dan. I really appreciate you sitting down talking with us. I really enjoy these so much on a personal level. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah good deal, guys. If you ever get to town, look us up, please. Yeah. Well, deal. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yeah, bye now. Bye. Well, are we going to put a team together for that men's bond spiel or what? Yeah, that'd be my first cash spiel. Yeah, so I got, I, a, I got a brother in East Grand, too. Yeah. So his house too small. We probably won't stay there if we go. But We uh, could just take yeah. some tents in March. Yep, let's do it. Yeah, yeah why not? Well, all right. All right, who's our fourth? It's a men's one. I was going to say my wife. Um, yeah. You know... We got those those uh, approaching high performance curlers. We can ask one of them, Charlie, Mitch, Ben, other Ben. That's actually know. the only weekend in March, or for the Where rest we of don't the year, we don't have anything. That's why like, oh, we actually are we actually, that weekend. The, the only actually, thing we're doing is flooding that week. Light bulb went off. Okay, I'm in. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's find a fourth. All right, maybe we should hold tryouts. That's what we oh, should do. Yes, we should yes. hold tryouts. We'll have to incentivize them because people won't come just to be on our team. So we'll have to think of some other way to get them to try to try out. Like, I don't know. One feats one, of strength. One I like this. One free. We could, we could go back to drinking games from college. You got to yeah. slam the beer, spin around the oh, curling gosh. rock with your forehead, and then, oh, do a 360 slide. Yes, that's 360 slide. Is this, this is turning into like old school. And then yeah. we'll have to do tryouts to figure out our shooting order because it'll probably end up being a team of skips. It's going to be a oh, team yeah. of skips. We're going to be bickering. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I could already see the fights. It's going to be great. Separate rooms. Get separate rooms. Separate rooms. rooms. Separate fights. Rooms. Well, nobody's going to be calling the wrong. We're going to be curling at the wrong direction. Oh, yeah, because we, we do opposite even... signals. <laughs> oh, man. Nobody's going to want to room with me because I snore. Let's do it. I, I, that's part of the reason we were, you know, you know reaching out to the local bring? clubs is to promote, you know, inter-club uh, camaraderie. And I, I think that'd be great. Yeah, let's go do it. Works out in the schedule. Tim Hoff. He's the least com- combative person. And he's so positive. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's see how 360 first. And he's not a skip. Is that big big Tim we're talking? I mean, he's not he's medium he's not sized small. Tim. Yeah, medium sized Tim. I'm thinking of a different Tim. They curls Tim. with Adam Nathan. You're thinking of Tim Beck. Oh, Tim Beck. Yeah, yeah. Tim, yeah. Tim, Tim that curls with Muse. Oh, oh, yep, 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 yep. yep. Have a lefty on our team. Yeah, right. Yeah. That actually is one. great for getting that other, you know, sometimes that six inch difference really does. And he just listens. Yeah, we, we don't always, do that. You don't. You don't. <laughs> well, we're going to be that team because he's got the same complaint we have about games taking too darn long because you're having, you know, a powwow every time a shot's called. <laughs> That'll be us out there rubbing people well, we, around. We also all struggle with it, too. So it's just like, all right, I'm just going right. to do it. I'm just going to do it. just going to do it. it. just going to do it. Yeah. Yep. All right. We'll look into that. I all don't right. Know. All right. We got ideas. We got it. We got ideas. Yeah. Well, we could we could fill out the registration after we hang up here. Should yeah. we do that? Say, Let's take a look. All right. We'll, we'll see what right. it's like. All right, all right, cool. Uh, well, that was episode eleven. Yes, yeah, episode eleven of Between Two Sheets. Um, we'll be back with I don't know some more fun stuff. We're just going to keep it a surprise for all you viewers out yeah. there. But thanks, thanks so much for joining us on this hour and eight minute episode. Yeah, yeah thank you. Have a good evening. Bye.